How we looking? Good day. This music gets me amped. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. My name is Grant Bills. I, uh, moving forward, going to be producing this fine show for Bill. I look forward to Bill getting back from vacation next week. I've been seeing pictures because Bill's a big Instagram guy now. Uh, and I enjoy following him on Instagram, posting pictures of being out on the boat, being by the pool. Bill's living his best life. I have not seen any pictures or videos of beard arts, though. And I know last week, Bill was all excited when we talked to him on Wednesday because he played his first ever game of beard arts. And I thought that was weird. I thought that was a little surprising that someone had never heard of beard arts. But then we talked to Ty Dunn, who went to Syracuse. He's from New York, but still, like, he's never played beard arts before. Tyler never heard of it either. So I, I, I apologize a little bit retroactively to Bill. Uh, for thinking that it was weird that he never played beard arts. Maybe he's playing some beard arts down at his lake house, hopefully spending some time with friends and family, relaxing. We're going to be joined by Andy Herman in just a little bit, Pack-A-Day podcast, 10-15, 10-20, somewhere in there. I would bet that Andy's played beard arts before. I don't want to assume. I never want to assume. You know what they say about assuming. Makes a you-know-what out of you and me. But, yeah, it makes an ass. Thank you, Ebo, as he's leaving the studio. Uh, I don't want to assume, but I think we got to ask Andy Herman about that at 10-15. And of course, we'll talk Packers as well. Eric Eager, our friend formerly of Pro Football Focus, formerly actually, if we're really doing the full backstory of Eric Eager, was once a professor at my alma mater, the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, teaching statistics and calculus and different levels of math that all go way over my head. And certainly are not absorbed. Those were classes that I did not take. But we're going to talk football with Eric. He's now at Sumer Sports doing research and development and cranking out better and smarter and newer statistics all the time to help evaluate players and teams. So we'll talk Packers and NFL with him coming up a little bit after 12 o'clock. 608-321-1670 is the number to call if you'd like to join the show at any point today. And yesterday when Austin was in here and the day before, I keep telling you, we have four hours, right? I'm, I'm normally hosting a two-hour show. From four to six every night, I host the Wisco Sports Show. And that show is, that shows. I mean, it's like, it's like big band music. We're jumping from thing to thing, and before you know it, it's, it's done. It's very fast, very furious. This show, we got time to lay out a little bit. This is more like jazz. Nice, long, plodding jazz song with plenty of time for a couple guests today, like I said, and plenty of time for you to join. And, and we can have some long conversations about the Brewers or about baseball or about the Packers or really whatever you want to talk about. 608-321-1670. A couple things I want to mention To start the show, before we get to Andy Herman, I watched all of 10 or 12 minutes from the ESPYs last night. This week, there's nothing going on, right? There's no Brewer games. There's no baseball games at all other than the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game. So the limited sports action that we have is something that I'm really trying to not miss, right? Because I need something to talk about. Even though it's a slow week in sports, there's a couple things going on, but got to watch the Home Run Derby. Right? We got to talk about that. We got to watch the All-Star game. And last night I'm going home. I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch the ESPYs. A lot of different you know, awards and, and, and storytelling and commentary on this athlete and this team. And it'll be great. I'm sure we'll get plenty to talk about for the show. And I turned it on and I watched one presenter. I watched Drew and Lauren Holiday get the Muhammad Ali, I think, Humanitarian Award is what it's called. And that was really cool. It was genuinely very cool to see the feature they ran on Drew Holiday and his wife and what they went through when she had a tumor in her brain when she was pregnant and then her pregnancy again during the pandemic and hearing Drew talk about the bubble and how he didn't even really want to go. And I think as we get farther removed from the pandemic, 
hopefully, ideally, right? As we get farther away from 2020 and we keep trending in a non-pandemic direction, we're going to learn more and more about the NBA and, and certainly Major League Baseball as well, the teams that tried to either finish their season or start their season in the spring and the summer of 2020. And I think there's just going to be a lot of examples of athletes that didn't want to play and they did it because they wanted to get paid or they didn't want to lose their spot on a roster or roster, you know, spot on, on their team. Drew Holiday was never going to lose his roster spot. And Drew Holiday is at a point, at least in 2020, where he'd been on a bunch of teams and played a couple different contracts. He didn't need to play in the bubble. He did it. It was interesting to hear him tell a story last night about how he didn't really want to go and it didn't really seem like something that he should be doing given what was going on with his wife and what was going on with the family that they were trying to start. So I really enjoyed the story on Drew and Lauren Holiday. And I don't live in Milwaukee. I spend a good amount of time there. Uh, and not just to go to Brewer games or, or go to Bucks games, but I have a lot of very close friends that live in Milwaukee. I'm there a ton doing things in Milwaukee, going to places, enjoying the city. Milwaukee is great. Milwaukee, like any big city, also has some some warts. And I think having, and you could say that about any city, not just big cities. Every city has their warts and, and things that they're trying to iron out and and fix and, and clean up. And Milwaukee is, is certainly no different than any other city, certainly any other big city. Milwaukee is really lucky to have Drew and Lauren Holiday. The state of Wisconsin is really lucky to have Drew and Lauren Holiday. That's what I was thinking about watching that portion of the ESPYs last night is what an awesome role model, what an awesome considerate family, a considerate couple, very in tune with the community in which they live, the people that live around them, the needs of the the people and the businesses that make up their city of Milwaukee. I thought that was really cool. And I was just considering how lucky Milwaukee and how lucky the state of Wisconsin is to have the holidays. Now, when that story ended, I very quickly got sick of the ESPYs because Award shows in general are just stuffy. Even if I'm really interested in which actors are going to win awards or which musicians are going to win Grammys or the ESPY awards, they're more like a celebration in the middle of a slow week in the middle of the summer. It's it's not like when we put together players' Hall of Fame resumes. Well, they did win two ESPYs. No one really cares. It's cool to see them recognized, and it's cool to see the sports world all in one place, right? But even when I care about award shows, they still make me uncomfortable. They still make me really stuffy because it's... It's really highfalutin people surrounded by other highfalutin people talking about their highfalutinness. And after more than 10, 15 minutes, I get sick of that. So I did get to see lucky timing. I didn't know the holidays were getting an award. It was cool to watch that feature last night. And and certainly, I, I think, gained more of an appreciation of those two. Not that I, I lacked any respect for Drew Holiday or his wife, Lauren, but. It was cool to see a little bit of the personal side. Because on these shows, we talk about Drew Holiday's shooting percentages and his usage rate and the way that he's defending and, and his performance in the playoffs. And it was cool last night to just be removed a little bit from that and and hear about and, and learn about um, a really cool, really influential couple in the Wisconsin sports scene. So Drew and Lauren Holiday, cheers. I wanted to say a couple things about baseball before we get to Andy Herman as well. The Hermanator from Packaday Podcast. I know that the Angels aren't winning a ton of games and they had a little bit of a slide going into the All-Star break. But Shohei Otani's unbelievable. Mike Trout's coming back, and Shohei Otani was maybe the biggest name in the All-Star game the other night and probably the biggest name in baseball right now. We didn't really talk about him yesterday. Talked about Luis Arise because he's hitting 383 and doing things that very few offensive players have ever done in baseball 
let alone in the year 2023 when players aren't hitting for average and and they're not getting multiple hits a game. It's a lot more of the the three true outcomes, strikes, walks, home runs. It's a lot more playing for the big inning, trying to hit home runs, trying to up the slugging percentage, and Luis Arise is kind of cutting against that grain. So we talked about him yesterday. We didn't really talk about Shohei Otani. I didn't really think it was in the cards that the Angels trade him. And then last night I was looking into it a little bit, getting ready for the show. I know Mariners fans chanted at him because the All-Star game was in Seattle, but this isn't this isn't really going to happen, right? This is from Adam Shine on CBS Sports. Seattle Mariners are firmly and officially in play for the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. And how about the crowd chanting come to Seattle right after on Monday from the Department of Who Knew? Shohei Otani has spent months living in Seattle in the offseason. So this video is about three minutes long. I don't need to play the whole thing. Adam Shine is saying the Seattle Mariners are firmly and officially in play for the Shohei Otani tweepstakes. That was the quote with the video. I didn't hear him source anything. I didn't hear him mention anything specifically. I think he was just saying, if this happens, Seattle is going to be very interested. Buster Olney this morning, and Rowdy shared this on our morning show, says that the Yankees are in pole position. They're the most likely team to acquire Shohei Otani in a trade this year. If Otani is traded before the deadline, what teams would be most likely to go after him? Well, you start with the Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees, <laughs> the Rangers, the Rays. Maybe a small handful of teams, but there's no doubt. In talking with sources yesterday, they see the Yankees potentially being the most motivated because Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, they're middle-aged players right in the, the prime of their careers. This is the Yankees' window to win now. You bring in Otani, suddenly the Yankees' rotation with him involved looks so strong. Otani hitting in Yankee Stadium, which favors left-handed sluggers. That's uh, something I'm sure the Yankees would be willing to pay for if Otani is made available by the Angels. So this is all hinging on whether or not the Angels actually trade him. This is a school of thought and an attitude that only exists in Major League Baseball, and it annoys me. And if you listen to my show, the Wisco Sports Show from 4 to 6, you know exactly where I'm going with this. You're like, oh, God, here he goes again. Why is it in baseball that fans and, and seemingly executives are so obsessed with trading a player before that player leaves for nothing? Well, we got to trade him so, so we don't lose him for nothing. Well, we got to get something for him. We don't do that in the NFL. We don't do that in the NBA. It's a little bit different because nobody ever reaches free agency in the NBA. You just sign the extension, and when you want to leave, you just ask for a a trade. So the NBA, maybe not the best comparison, but all the same. In other sports, we don't demand and we don't don't bite our fingernails and stress as fans about how, well, we got to trade this player before we lose him for nothing. You're not losing Shohei Otani for nothing if he walks at the end of the year in free agency. You get Shohei Otani on your team for the rest of July, August, September, any playoff push, any any series, any games in the playoffs, that's what you're getting. That's the something you're getting. You're not losing Corbin Burns for nothing if he leaves in free agency in two years. You're getting Corbin Burns for the rest of this year, and you're getting him all of next year. That's the something you're getting. That's the something. You're not losing him for nothing. You're getting him for another year and a half. We only do this in baseball. We don't do this in other sports. And I don't think it's just a thing that fans complain about and fans think about, executives think this way as well. Otherwise, David Stearns never would have traded Josh Hader 
at the deadline last year. They would have waited until the offseason or let him play out his contract, which had been my preferred result. Pay him 15 years, which is a lot of money, but it's a one-year commitment as his arbitration number bumps up. It's the long-term deals that really put your franchise in a pinch. So if you overpay in arbitration for one season, that's fine. It's an expensive year, but it doesn't hurt you the next year or the year after or the year after. It's not this albatross around your neck. And yet executives so quick, well, if he might leave, we got we to trade him. Couple rules of thumb, just a couple baseball executive rules of thumb that I would have. I wish David Stearns would have followed these rules. I hope the brass with the Los Angeles Angels follow these rules. Just two, two quick rules that I thought up last night while I was making some chicken in my kitchen. The SBs were on. Rule number one, you don't trade an all-star closer franchise cornerstone when your team is in first place. You just don't do it. Well, the return was really, I don't care. Well, his number was going to go up. Don't care. You don't trade a franchise cornerstone all-star closer in the middle of the season when you're in first place. You just don't do it. Another rule of thumb that I would have, again, just quick quick rules of thumb. If I was a baseball executive, I wrote these down while I was searing chicken on my stove last night making dinner. And I brought some for lunch today, too. So good good on me last night making food. Now I'm prepared. I'm going to have food. I'm not going to be hungry. There's nothing worse than doing a radio show hungry. Second rule I wrote down, if you have the best player in Major League Baseball on your team, you don't trade him. You don't, you don't trade. You just don't trade. You don't do it. It's not something you do. It's, it's bad business. You don't trade that guy. If he leaves in free agency after you tried to keep him and you did your darndest to win with him, huh? That, that happens, I guess. That happens on those bigger jobs. Shohei Otani is going to be in demand. He's going to be a player that every team wants. You don't trade him. You don't get rid of him preemptively. It's like in college basketball when a coach sits a player down who has two fouls. Well, I don't want him to foul out. Well, by the nature of you putting him on the bench, he might as well be fouled out because you're not playing him. So college coaches, they'll foul out their own players all the time. It's very frustrating. Executives will will kick a player off the team before they see the player leave in free agency. And when a player is as good as Shohei Otani, I'm sorry. If you lose him in free agency at the end of the year, fine, that's a bummer. But in the meantime, you have the best player in the sport on your team. Do everything you can to win with him. Do everything you can to keep him. And if he leaves, oh well. But you can't trade him. You just, you cannot trade the best player in the sport while he's on your team. You just can't do it. 608-321-1670. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Follow me, tweet me. It's a good way to interact during the show. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day Podcast, The Hermanator. We'll talk Packers and talk NFL. Coming up next on The Bill Michaels Show. This is The Bill Michaels Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Paula. Hi. It's come to my attention. I need new windows. You do? Hey, sweetie, what's this? My art project. Honey, it's rotten. We need to toss it. Then why do we have to keep our rotten windows, Dad? Well, you came to the right place. Pell has a limited lifetime warranty on our wood windows, so this doesn't happen again. Thank you. Visit PellaWI.com today. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Bill's on vacation. He'll be back on Monday. Can only imagine what he's going to have to say. By the time Bill's back, the Brewers are going to be Three games returned, and they will have played the Cincinnati Reds. Three games at Great American Ballpark. This next month is going to tell us a ton. Six games against the Reds, six against the Braves, who are an outstanding baseball team. 
So if this team, this Brewers team, is going to be good enough to do anything and at least get into the playoffs, that's kind of my goal. Get in, get some experience for the young guys. We're going to know it over this next month. This next month is going to tell us a lot. So we'll get back to baseball, talk more about the Brewers, talk more about maybe the National League and what's going on around the Brewers and in the NL Central. We'll get back into that. Right now, Andy Herman, the Hermanator is here, Pack-A-Day Podcast. Andy, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, always appreciate talking with you and uh, excited to chat with you today. Uh, Pack-A-Day Podcast, that's now your full-time gig. You are 100% in. You tweeted a couple weeks ago, quit the 9-5, to five, I'm all in on the Packers. And now I see tweets that you're re-watching, like the Commanders game from last week and all these games. That sounds like... That sounds like work. I'm not. That sounds like a nine to five job. That has to be a tedious process going back and digging through some of the the wreckage pieces from last season. Yeah, I was gonna say I've made a horrible mistake. I've gone <laughs> from a nice, easy nine to five job to having to rewatch, you know, uh, Amari Rogers fumble punt returns from last year. So, uh, no, I mean, obviously, it's been an amazing process, and being able to do this full time is beyond a dream come true. Um, I, I think. As far as, uh, you know, routine moving forward and what my expectations are, I think I'll know a little bit more once training camp comes along. I've had a laundry list of things I've wanted to catch up on that I've been able to do, was able to bring the kids to Noah's Ark last week, which is a ton of fun. So just doing some of those sort of things. Uh, But in the meantime, also catching up on some Packers stuff, doing a lot of podcasting, of course, and uh, just getting ready for training camp. What's the thing that, that you've realized? What's something new that's jumped out to you? about last season now that you've gone back and looked at it again is there something that maybe we missed in real time last year that now is becoming clear to you when you go back and look at some of these games from 2022-2023 yeah I'm only about halfway through and I'm in the midst of a five-game losing streak a oh. five-game losing streak at the moment <laughs> so uh, not a lot of great takeaways I think a few things stood out um, some of the personnel decisions obviously seen week one where Jake Hansen's at right guard and you've got Royce Newman starting at right tackle with Zach Tom on the bench um, later in the season, you know, obviously the, the Elton Jenkins at right tackle experiment didn't go well. And again, you've got Yash Nyman and Zach Tom sitting on the bench while Royce Newman's at right guard. The aforementioned Amari Rogers is punt returning and who just happens to be blocking in front of him is Keyshawn Nixon. It's just like, man, you, you could put that guy back there instead uh, with the benefit of hindsight and knowing how dynamic of a returner that he is. Seeing Sammy Watkins snipe snaps from guys like Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Those things have been, you know, more of the frustrating things to kind of see and watch. Um, I think a couple of the other things is, uh, you know, at that part of the season, um, one of the things that stood out from a quarterbacking standpoint, and there was obviously a lot of struggles on offense. It wasn't all on Aaron, but a lot of the completions, manufactured completions, little swing passes, little dumps to the outside, screen passes, tight end screens, um, those little, you know, naked bootlegs where a tight end comes wide open in the flat. And as I'm watching through all this, I'm like, like 90% of these throws, like not only could Jordan Love make, but like Danny Etling could make, like you could bring Tim Tebow back. He could make those throws. Like uh, they're just not a ton of complex throws. Now, obviously Aaron did some spectacular things as well and made some throws that, you know, just other quarterbacks don't even attempt. Um, But there's a lot of just uh, baked in stuff within the offense that is going to be there. That should be very easy still for Jordan Love. And it's going to be what happens, obviously, on those high-pressure situations. So those are some of the things that stood out. And then one other thing really quick is Romeo Dobbs, too. I think pre-injury last year, um, he was really starting off strong in his rookie campaign. And I think it's easy to forget because he didn't necessarily do it towards the end, you know, second half of the year and, again, had some of those injuries. But early in the season, he looked fantastic. And it really looked like 
he was going to be the breakout wide receiver. The two, of course, Christian battled with injuries, had that drop against Minnesota. And then it was like Romeo kind of got hurt and banged up a little bit, and then Christian took over the rest of the year. But, man, if both of those guys can take a step and, and really um, you know, both be healthy through the entirety of the season, that gives me a ton of hope for what this offense can be as well. You just mentioned like a dozen things in there that I would love to go back and talk more <laughs> about. And, and I have a couple questions about last year, but you addressed um, manufactured plays, just easy catches, things around the line of scrimmage that – shouldn't necessarily be too difficult for Jordan Love to come in and, and do. And, and I agree, but I think you can only get so far on offense with tap passes and swing passes and push plays and little routes. They're going to need to create explosive plays somehow just to stretch the defense. Because, I look, I watched the Wisconsin Badgers for years, and and they would do all those little things around the line of scrimmage. And Jack Cohen, and, and not to slander Jack Cohen, but maybe some more limited offensive personnel. And they could do those little things. But over the course of a game and over the course of a season, it would tighten up. It felt like those those two, three-yard plays were so hard to come by because you need to create those explosives. So how, in, in your best guess, can the Packers create explosive plays this fall? Yeah, going back to the Badgers, it's one thing to sort of do that against maybe lesser teams in the Big Ten and mm-hmm. then you get to Michigan or Ohio State and then those things start to close down totally. a, a lot faster in some of those big games, right? And I'm a million percent with you, and I think um, that there's going to have to be a level of explosivity, and we know that right now teams on defense are doing everything in their power to limit explosive plays and make you have to go 15 plays, 80 yards if you're going to want to score a touchdown. They're betting that you can't screw – that you're going to screw something up um, through the course of that 15-play drive that's going to make it so that you have a holding penalty or a fumble, an interception, yes. a sack, something that takes you out of it and is going to ultimately make it so that you don't have a touchdown. And if you get a 50, 60-yard explosive play somehow in there, if that doesn't score, it at least is setting you up for points down there. So I, I think those explosive plays are going to be insanely important. It's going to be, A, um, important for Jordan Love to be able to get some of those explosive plays on his own. He's littered all over the tape in his time at Utah State. Um, you know, We haven't seen necessarily a ton of that, obviously, in his preseason. And you know we saw a big time throw, I think, in that you know cover two shot to Aaron Jones that was unfortunately incomplete against Philadelphia. But that's going to be a big question for Jordan. But I think that's why Brian went the direction that he did with sort of building this offense and kind of knowing what Jordan was going to need. You want some guys finally that, and I'm sure Aaron would have loved this too. But some guys that you can just get the ball in their hands and they can take it the distance and they can do the heavy lifting. And I think Christian Watson coming back. Obviously, what he was able to show and do from a season ago is going to be the biggest piece of that. But you get a Luke Musgrave. Like, this team has had a Jermichael Finley-sized hole in the roster since Jermichael Finley went down with an injury. And yeah. Cook had a couple flash plays here and there. Martellus Bennett didn't work out. Jimmy Graham didn't work out. Robert Tunyon had a nice 10-touchdown season, but some of that was manufactured, too. And now you've got this super-fast, athletic, big 6'5". Like, he just looks different on the field. And I'm trying to temper my expectations as best as I can because he's a rookie, it's a tight end, it's a tough position that you have to uh, really learn and develop as a blocker. But, man, some of the stuff that he was already doing in mini camps and OTAs, yes, no pads, et cetera, but he's just, he looks different. He looks the closest to anything that resembled Jermichael Finley since, again, Jermichael Finley was here. You get a Jaden Reed in the second round, a super fast, quick wide receiver, quick twitch, can probably do some things with the ball in his hands that they just haven't had. And I think Romeo Dobbs, as mentioned as well, is going to take a jump. Tucker Kraft can break tackles. You still have Aaron Jones. So it's just trying to get some of those players out on the field and on the roster. And as much as we we've loved the guys like Alan Lazard and Mercedes Lewis 
And, you know, we could go on and on about some of these players who are nice players, but they're not the most dynamic player with the ball in their hands, right? And they bring a lot of other things to the table, and you need those X factors, those guys that are going to block for you and do some of the dirty work. But at some point, your weapons need to be weapons. They need to make plays, and I think they have a few more playmakers on this roster now than maybe they have in previous seasons. I'm dying for a tight end to be good so we can stop using Jermichael Finley as a reference point. Like, I'm sick of him being the it's been so long. I need another reference point. I, I would take another tight end that was exciting and then busts just so we could have another. Re- I, I We need to adjust and move on from Jermichael Finley. So I'm hoping we can do that this year. And I agree 100% about dynamic weapons who kind of do the work for you, right? That play against the Eagles is such a great example. And I think yep. anti-Jordan Love people, you know, whatever that means, if they were more on the keeping Rodgers and, and not believers in love would say, well, that play was easy. Jordan Love didn't have to do anything. He just had to dump it off to Watson. And I think the pro love, the pro Lafleur people said, exactly. That's the point. We need more plays like that. And Rodgers exactly. sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, seemed to maybe thumb his nose a little bit at, at plays like that. So I'm 100% with you. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day podcast. How can we be better in the red zone? Because I remember with, Nathaniel Hackett, they were great down there. And I think a little bit of that is is luck, fluky, red zone success, touchdown conversion can be fluky from year to year. But that killed this team last year. That can't be a problem this fall. How do we fix that? Yeah, I, I'm going to answer in a way that I think maybe some people wouldn't expect. It starts on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. The offensive line was sneaky bad last year. And a lot of that was due to Bakhtiari being out for part of that. Obviously, he started uh, you know, injured and then um, I think came back, what, week two or three and then ended up having the appendectomy. I think those first couple of weeks, he was still kind of getting his feet under him, but you didn't have a full season of David Bakhtiari. You had Elton Jenkins hurt to start the season, and then he started at right tackle, and everything at right tackle was pretty darn bad, and I don't put that on Elton. That's him coming back from an ACL, switching from left side to right side, switching from guard to tackle, at, at like while being completely rusty from not playing from being out with a torn ACL, that's not an easy job description, but that struggled so that it took until I think, you know, past midway through the season where he finally gets back at left guard and playing at a much better level. Josh Myers had a tough season. John Rennie Jr. was mostly fine, but I thought took a step back from 2021 to 2022. And then, you know, Yash was fine, but you also had guys like Jake Hansen playing. You had guys like Royce Newman playing. And the offensive line, like I said, was kind of sneaky bad a season ago. And if you want to be successful inside the red zone, you have to have a strong offensive line and you have to be able to run the ball so that everything else works. If you can't run the ball and you can't get some of those, you know, obviously like the the goal line sort of plays, if you can't run the ball inside the five, you're predictable. And then it becomes a lot easier on defense to make it so that you can put guys back and in all of those zones and have tight quarters. And then when you don't have like a dynamic playmaker, we saw Christian Watson make a couple plays in the, the back of the end zone, but you don't have that dynamic playmaker. You don't have that big tight end that can go up and get the ball, those sort of things. It makes things super congested and really tight to be in the, the, the red zone. So A, I think better offensive line play is going to be a huge part of this. B, I think Jordan Love's mobility is actually going to be a piece of this. We actually saw yeah. a couple like read option plays where if Rodgers maybe would have even just kept the ball, like he might have had easy walking touchdowns, but he wasn't at the stage of his career where he wanted to keep that ball anymore. I think Jordan Love is going to have that playmaking ability to sort of keep the ball in some of those plays and get in. And then you talk about guys like a Luke Musgrave, even a Tucker Kraft, who are going to be able to carve out some of that space in the red zone. I think that's going to help as well. So play calling is going to be a piece of it. It's all going to have to sort of come together, but I do think they have a few more options and I'm really hoping this offensive line is going to be much better in 2023 I agree with all of that that's a tremendous breakdown I agree thank you Andy last thing I'm asking this to every football guest I bring on because I think it's an interesting (laughs) question without a a great answer and I think your answer will tell me something about you 
I think there's a little bit of a people yell, love to use this word because it, it makes me feel smart, but I'll use it. It's a little bit of a Rorschach test, Andy, about the the way you look at life, the way you look at football and certain players. So the NFC, if you had to bet your life savings on a team to win the NFC and you can't pick Philly, you can't pick San Francisco, what team would you bet on? You have to pick a team that's not one of those two. Who would it be? Uh, it's nobody in the North. It's nobody in the South, I don't think. Um, and then you have to get through Philly and San Francisco. It's not the Rams, not the Cardinals. Seahawks would be a stretch, I guess. Do I have do I have to go Cowboys? That's, in that that's what I keep coming back to. But like you need you need some type of optimism. You need some type of attitude about the world that has not been crushed and jaded and beat down. And I think that's that's the hill that people can't get over with the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys and it's Mike McCarthy. But I'm not convinced that that's not the third best team in the conference right now. And that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the NFC as a whole is insane. I think the NFC North is insane. I think so much is going to be up for grabs. Um, I think you know, like I said, NFC South is bad. I think that that conference is going to be, or division is going to be totally um, up for grabs. Same thing with the NFC North. Um, and may, maybe Detroit too. Uh, Detroit might be at least in that conversation for third best team, I guess, if they like legitimately take a jump. But I struggle with Detroit too, where it's like, where where did they get? like exponentially better from where they were at a season ago. Like how it's, it's one thing to kind of be that team that sneaks up on teams yep, and yep, go nine yep. and eight and have a really fun season. And then it's another to actually like win 11 games and like take that next step and actually win playoff games. So I, I don't know. It's a really interesting question. Ty Dunn said the lions, which I mean, yeah. fair. Uh, Eric eager is going to be on in two hours. I'm fascinated to see what he says. I don't know that there is a great answer, which I think is why it's a really fun question, but it's not normally the team that you think it's going to be. Right. And that's why Philly, it's really hard to do two years in a row. And San Francisco is always there, but I'm not really sure what their quarterback situation is. I'm really having a hard time picturing another team representing the NFC in the Super Bowl in a couple months. And I I don't know. I think a lot is obviously going to happen between now and then. So I'm excited. Andy, thank you so much. We love Pack-A-Day. Keep up the awesome work and enjoy getting to spend your your full time and energy on the Packers, because I'm sure that's what you've wanted for a long time. And you're really good at it. So thanks again. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Andy Herman. Pack a day podcast. Hold on, I'm gonna hang up the phone. He's re- he's really good. That guy's really good at what he does. I'm sitting here like, wow. The red zone breakdown. The offensive line is a great point. We can talk about the lack of Devontae Adams. I think that was a massive factor in the red zone because last couple of years, Devontae Adams gets to be your break glass in case of emergency guy on third and short, fourth and short, uh, third and goal, or you gotta have you gotta have the touchdown. Devontae Adams is the guy. You could just assume he's going to get open. He's going to do one of his little moves, and he's going to get just enough space, and Aaron Rodgers is going to feel him, and he's going to feel Aaron Rodgers because they know each other. And and it doesn't matter if the offensive line blocks perfectly or if anybody else gets open. You could always bank on Devontae Adams getting open, and that was the that was the safety net. And that went away last year. So I think the, the lack of Devontae Adams really killed them in the red zone. Um, but Andy Herman is, is right about the offensive line. If the defense doesn't fear you and doesn't fear your ability to pick up a yard or two on the ground with AJ Dillon and they don't have to put any extra resources and in, in really battening down the hatches on the line of scrimmage well then it's a lot easier to cover the outside especially when the only wide receivers on the outside are Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and again no shaded Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb but they're not Devontae Adams and they're not Jordy Nelson and they're not elite separation wide receivers they're fine players but they're not elite dynamic create something out of nothing players. So if the offensive line isn't going to push forward and get a yard or two, well, the defense doesn't have to worry about really dedicating extra energy and effort and attention to Aaron Jones or, or A.J. Dillon. 
then Andy said, the team's predictable. The Packers' offense then becomes predictable. And you're a lot easier to defend. You're a lot easier to, to, to guard when you're predictable. 608-321-1670. Let's all follow Andy Herman if we don't already. He's on Twitter, at Andy Herman NFL. Let's give him the Bill Michaels bump. All right, let's rush him with followers. Appreciate him for coming on the show. If you uh, like smart NFL guests, we're going to have another one in about two hours. Eric Eager from Sumer Sports is going to join us. I wonder who Eric's pick would be in the NFC if it's not Philly or the Niners. I, you can really tell I'm excited. When I get a good question and I'm excited to ask a question, I really get fired up. I, I'm liking asking guests the third best team in the NFC. We got a vote for the Lions from Tyler Dunn. Uh, a vote for the Cowboys, a begrudging, hesitant vote for the Cowboys, but still a vote for the Cowboys from Andy Herman. We'll get Eric's answer and some thoughts on the league and the NFL as a whole, the conference as a whole from Eric Eager from Sumer Sports coming up in about two hours. We'll come back, debrief more about the Packers, maybe get back into some baseball. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Grant Bills filling in for Bill. That's me. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Stick around. We'll be right back. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. It's the Bill Michaels Show. How we looking? One more thank you to Andy Herman. That was awesome. And, you know, a lot of guests that I bring on my show in the evening from 4 to 6, I'm going to shamelessly plug it as much as I can. It's the Wisco Sports Show. It's on a lot of these affiliates, not all these affiliates. But if you find yourself listening today or or throughout the week and you're like, dadgum, I kind of like this Grant Bills guy. Well, you can stream. That's what's great about the year 2023 in sports radio. You can listen to any show no matter where you are. I always tweet out a link at Wisco Grant right at 4 o'clock. So if you find me on Twitter... I'll at least tweet a link. You can listen. And if you really become a fan, you know, you can download an app, one of the affiliates or, or any one of the streaming apps that you can use to, to listen to radio. I'll, I'll try to help you out. If you really are struggling to find my show, DM me and I can talk you through it too, but it's not too hard. Just follow me on Twitter at Wisco Grant and I tweet out a link. Thank you again to Andy Herman. And most of the guests that I bring on my show, like I was saying, I'm friends with. I've known for a while because I think that's when you get the best back and forth. That's when you get the little references and the jokes and, you know, when I bring guests on, my goal is to always, I'm going to befriend this guest. I'm going to, I'm going to blow their socks off. They're going to have so much fun that this is going to go from a professional relationship to a personal one. They're going to have so much fun coming on the show. It's not going to feel like work. It's not going to feel formal. And that's how we get the best content. And I've never met Andy in person. Like I've met a lot of the guests that I typically book. Uh, I've had Andy on, I don't know, half dozen times over the years. Um, and I'm always a little worried when I when I have a guest on that I don't have a personal connection with because I always really want to I want to make it sound friendly I want to make it sound comfortable and that's never a problem with Andy even though uh, it's not like I'm best friends with him in in real life or anything and he always has so much good information and he can shell it out I mean Mike he's getting shots up take about the offensive line take about the wide receivers take about Matt Lafleur and he I don't even know if he stopped to breathe the whole time I got a lot out of that interview with Andy so I appreciate Andy and he's on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. A lot of good Packers points. We can dive deeper into all of those points, or we can say screw it and talk about the Brewers. It's up to you. 608-321-1670. Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the Bill Michaels Show. Who's this? Hey, second unit. It's Mike from Chippewa Falls. Mike, good morning. How are you today? 
Good. How are you? I'm doing good. That that call from Andy, I needed that. That, that amped me up. That gave us a lot of different Packers things to discuss. That was a great interviewer. He's he's quick. He talks you know fast, but he's very very understandable. So he covers a lot of ground. He makes yeah. you pay attention too. That's a good guest. Oh, yeah. He makes you lean in and listen closely. Great. So yeah, it was, that was some great Packers coverage. I'm I am kind of starting to get amped up now. So yeah, for the season, I, I don't want summer to end, but. I don't care. I don't do that much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that much. It's it's like when you're going on vacation and you've had the vacation planned for months and months and you finally get your couple weeks away and you can finally start to feel like it's real and you can finally really start yeah. to to really buy into it. And I'm taking a vacation at the end of this month, so I've reached that point. But kind of similar with the Packers. It's one thing to talk about Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love in May or in late April. It's another now midway through July with training camp looming. We can really start to consider some of these things seriously and it doesn't feel like we're wasting our time now talking about the Packers you know right and I love your question that you've been asking everybody what team do you think is like the third best team in the NFC I I hate the Cowboys so bad I can't even pick them if even if I could win money on them so I would I'm I want to say the Giants I don't know why oh. but I just got a feeling they kind of made some noise last year and I I and their quarterback is capable he's not great but um you know the, the offense they run and they got a good defense it seems like so yeah, I think I'm gonna go Giants because I've always kind of liked the Giants since ever since the days of Fran Tarkenton. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going with them. Well, there's a there's so. a couple teams in the NFC and there's a couple teams in the AFC as well, but the AFC is organized just a little bit differently. The Lions, right? We mentioned the Lions. It's one thing to go nine and eight, eight and nine, kind of sneak up on everyone one year. It's about taking the next step, right? And the Lions snuck up on people this year. The Giants and the Seahawks, I think, also snuck up on people. Now, those teams made the playoffs, but still are a ways away from being a contender. I I think it comes down to the Lions or your Giants or the Seahawks. Which one of those teams can go from surprising, plucky, uh, kind of come out of nowhere teams and take that next step to being a real contender. Maybe none of them. It's a hard step to take, yeah. you know, Mike? Oh, there's always a surprise. There's always a worst to first, you know, federal cliche, but it's true. Um, always somebody that comes out of nowhere and yeah. shocks everybody. So, yeah. Oh, hey, I, I got to tell you, I went to see Hairball last night. Oh, um, you're a little hoarse. I could tell. It sounds yeah, like you I, were having a good time. <laughs> I did a lot of screaming. <laughs> what was their best song? so funny. Oh, God, they did so many different I, – I think their ACDC coverage may have been the best, but they Oof. did They did Kiss. They started out with Kiss. They did uh, Poison and um, Motley Crue and oh. uh, all the 80s hair band. They, they didn't do Ozzy Osbourne this year, which disappointed the heck out of me because that guy that does Ozzy is so good. But they did Twisted Sister. Um, that guy dresses up like Dee Snyder. He's uncanny how much he looks. And they did Bon Jovi. They did oh. Prince. They did everything you can think of it. And they're so good. I mean, they are just so good. And uh, like I said, this next time they're going to be around, I'm going to buy your ticket. You're We're going to go see Hairball. I'm going to scream right alongside you. I could get down to a little, uh, I like some Bon Jovi. That sounds like a good time. I could scream some Bon Jovi. Yeah, he he did uh, um, Wanted or Dead or Alive, and he sounded just what? like him. Honest to God. Everybody's going crazy. So I was next to his younger couple, and uh, this girl kept saying, who is this? <laughs> Who is this? Oh, so you were the one with the intel. You were you were given a little yeah. history lesson along. I like that. I'm the old fart. She says, "Are they going to play?" She couldn't. We couldn't hear each other talk. So, and she doesn't really. She's a beautiful girl. She'd grab the back of my head and lean in and whisper in my or yell in my ear, "Who, who is this? Or are they going to play this?" <laughs> it made a really good time. You're not the old fart. You're the expert. You're the seasoned veteran, Mike. Look at it that way. Yeah. 
it's funny though. I'm 66, and there's people there. A lot of people there older than me. I was shocked, but uh, you're the young bucks. Yeah, a lot of young people had no <laughs> idea what what these bands were. So I get a kick out of that. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I'm sure maybe we'll talk tonight on my show. I want to get to another caller, Mike. But I appreciate you. I'm glad you had fun last right. night. I appreciate you. Thanks. Yeah, Mike in Chippewa Falls, listening on our Eau Claire affiliate Sports Talk 105.1 WAYY. Another quick call, and then we'll take our last break of the hour. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Bill Michael Show. Who's this? Hello, line number two, you still there? Wow, no patience. No patience anymore these days in sports radio. If you have time, call back. I'll get you in. We got plenty of time today between now and two o'clock. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. That's the number to call. Like Mike and Chippewa Falls did. Maybe you were at a rock show last night as well. Maybe you were in the pit with Mike, swinging your head around, jumping up and down in the pit for the pit for hairball. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll come back, wrap up our number one of the Bill Michaels Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Paula. Hi. It's come to my attention. I need new windows. You do? Hey, sweetie, what's this? My art project. Honey, it's rotten. We need to toss it. Then why do we have to keep our rotten windows, Dad? Well, you came to the right place. Pell has a limited lifetime warranty on our wood windows, so this doesn't happen again. Thank you. Visit PellaWI.com today. Bill Michaels Show, wrapping up hour number one. What a great first hour it was. Andy Herman was here. Holy smokes. And the show's just getting started. So many things to discuss. We're going to get to Eric Eager, one of my favorite guests, and uh, a friend of Wisconsin, a friend of the WEAC specifically. Used to teach at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, worked for Pro Football Focus. Now he's heading up research and development at Sumer Sports, data scientist. And I don't like talking to him because I understand statistics. Uh, in fact, I, I've never taken a statistics class in my life. I tell the story often, but. In college, I was confronted with a choice. I either had to take one stats class to fill my one math credit, or I had to take a language. I had to take Spanish. It seems like those two things come from very different buckets. I don't know why the curriculum shook out that way. I ended up taking Spanish instead. It was four days a week, and the professor was very intimidating Mexican woman. Learned to love her by the end, but terrified of her at the beginning. Never spoke a word of English. Day one, we're sitting in class, and she comes in speaking aggressive Spanish. Here's how the class is going to go. Here's what, And we're like, I don't, <laughs> see, I'm here to learn that. I don't know that language. I'm here to learn the language that you're speaking. That, hey, I learned a lot of Spanish over a semester. If you force yourself to listen and speak only one language, it's amazing how fast you'll pick it up. But I'm not a stats guy. I, I will do anything to avoid math, including learning a brand new language or learning a lot of a brand new language. So that's why we're going to speak with Eric because he can provide the data. He can speak to the science and the stats and then I'm over here, te- you know, speaking about vibes and, and making analogies and, and, you know, other things that Eric doesn't waste his time with. I like that call from Mike and Chippewa Falls. Loved that hit from Andy Herman. And I loved, loved what he said about creating explosive plays and how the athletes have to do some of that. The wide receivers, the running backs, the tight ends. It can't always be on the quarterback to throw a perfect 60-yard seed for a touchdown. It can't always be on Matt LaFleur to create the perfect triple reverse spider two wide banana Q8 play 
that gets a touchdown. Sometimes a player has to make a play, right? Sometimes Christian Watson just needs to open it up with that speed and create a big play where a big play wasn't supposed to exist. And that's why that play from the Eagles game was such a beautiful example. And it's, it's a beautiful example of how we speak about sports and how we break sports down. Because last year, there was a big group of Packers fans that said, I want to I shut Aaron Rodgers down for the year. After that Detroit loss or around the bye, that loss to the Eagles, it's time to shut down Aaron Rodgers. It's time to play Jordan Love. Right? A lot of Packers fans wanted that. And then there was another half of the fandom that was like, no, 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 we're not mathematically eliminated yet. We play Rodgers until we're mathematically eliminated. This is Rodgers' team. We give him a chance. And those two camps of people, some more aggressive than others, looked very differently at that Christian Watson touchdown against the Eagles. The keep playing Aaron Rodgers crowd looked at that play and said, well, that, that touchdown from Jordan Love wasn't anything special. He just dumped it off to Christian Watson over the middle, and then Christian Watson did all the work. He ran it into the end zone. Come on. Jordan Love's not that great. Aaron Rodgers could have done that. But the other side, and I, I think I identify more with this side of Packers fandom, looked at that play and said, exactly. Football doesn't have to be that hard. Sometimes all you need to do is dump it off over the middle to your really big, really fast wide receiver and let that guy make a play. Packers need more of that, which is why I'm excited about uh, Luke Musgrave and Christian Watson and some of these big, speedy uh, wide receivers and pass catchers that have the traits to create big plays out of nothing. Really, what sports comes down to, big picture takeaway here, let's zoom out, big life lesson about sports. Basketball, baseball, football, a lot of times, it comes down to star players creating a play when a play doesn't exist. Like on offense, when the shot clock is running down and the defense is stifling and the pick and roll didn't work and the elevator screen and the, the, the flex cut didn't work. Well, now it's time for that superstar player to step up and hit a shot and make the other team go, oh my God, what are we supposed to do? How can we stop? We can't stop that. That's just a great player making a play. Or in football, a running back or a wide receiver breaking a couple of tackles and creating a big play where a big play didn't exist. That's how you win football games. That's how you score. That's how you win basketball games. That's how you score in the clutch is when that special player creates something. How many times did Yadier Molina do that against the Brewers where he would shoot a pitch down the first base line and we're like, that's not even a bad pitch. You can't hang that on the pitcher. That was a good pitch to the outside. Molina just went with it and made a really good play. A lot of times in sports, the winners and losers are separated by players that can create something where something didn't exist. And when Alan Lazard and Mercedes Lewis and, and old Randall Cobb, when those are your wide receivers, not a lot of creating, not a lot of explosive plays being created out of nowhere. Hopefully the story is different with Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave this year. Really excited. We can talk more Packers coming up next. Again, Eric Eager on the way. We'll talk more baseball, more Brewers, more Shohei Otani, a lot more of the Bill Michaels show coming up next. <laughs> 